Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 134. John and Wendy talk to Nikki Hoyland. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you today, John? Wendy, I am I am in a great place. Fantastic. We're recording like well off schedule for us because <laughs> we are incredibly fortunate yeah. we have another international guest. We've had Canada, Barbados, now the United Kingdom with our friend Nikki. We are in the midst of Pledge Drive Month, Wendy, yes. and, and it is highly appropriate for Nikki to be here. We spoke about the U.S. listenership and download base last yep. week. I want to spend just a couple minutes talking about the international base, <laughs> which I think you and I could agree we would have never imagined no. just how far the social hour word has spread no, in the last two and a half years. Now, we've had downloads in 108 countries. Yep. I'm not going to ask you if you know all 108 because I couldn't <laughs> name all 108. <laughs> However, I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the top 10. So first off, the top five, other than the U.S., what do you think are the next five listener bases for us? And I did this with our, when we did it on the U.S., I'm like, I didn't look this up. I didn't. Yeah, you know, absolutely. This is me going, hmm. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to start with Canada. Okay. We've got some, we've got some strong members in Canada um, and Australia. There's two. Let's say India. India is a whole country, isn't it? It's not. Yeah. India is counted as a whole country. Yeah, a whole yes, country. Wendy. Believe okay. it or not, today even. <laughs> I just thought it. All, I said it, and then I was like, "Wait a minute." Um, let's do England. So that's four. That's four. And Spain. You're close. <laughs> right behind the U.S. are our friends to the north in Canada. Okay. And then our friends like Nikki in the U.K. Australia. Okay. We have many friends that we we know there. India. And then number five is actually Germany. German. Oh, interesting. Germany. Germany. And I don't think anyone from Germany has ever reached out to us. So if you're listening no. and you are one of those people in Germany, please, please do, yeah. because we really like to talk to you. Now, I'm going to make it a little harder than last time because I only asked you the top five last time. How about the, so the next five, like six through 10, what do you think six those 10. would be? Okay. Um, now you've already said Spain. So do you want to count that as one of them? Yeah, let's go. Let's go ahead and count Spain. Okay. Uh, South Africa, China, Guam, and Italy. Okay. I think you're ready to have your mind blown because oh, no. <laughs> you're all wrong. You're all wrong. Believe it or not. I, I was a little surprised. We had a lot of downloads in China at one point and yeah. I wanted to get a shirt that said HR social hour. We're big in China. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Oh, okay. So coming up behind Germany is the United Arab Emirates. Oh, okay. And then France. Okay. Mexico, which for a long time, we didn't have listeners in Mexico. Yeah. But in the last, particularly last six, seven months, okay. we've really seen an uptake, uptake there. Nice. nice. Nigeria. Oh, golly. Wow. And then Saudi Arabia. Oh, Interesting. It, it's changed over time. I would have said Spain at one point, too. We're not going to go into it anymore. But again, as we always talk about, we are incredibly appreciative yeah. of everybody that listens. It's amazing to see how far the word has spread. For those of you that are listening in those other countries, as we always ask, we're going to ask at the front this time, please contact us. Let's please do. let's talk. We want to send you something as, as a thank you. If you are part taking part in the pledge drive, do not forget, hashtag listen to HRSH. Do that throughout the month. We really appreciate everybody that's been doing that. Again, just like the PBS pledge drives, yep. 
we're showing our Les Mis or our great country <laughs> concert or whatever it may be. I, I don't think they showed Hamilton yet. That's still on Disney Channel. Yeah, that's well, at some point, Disney. that'll be there. But in all seriousness, we really do appreciate everything everyone does to help mm-hmm. us. It's been super fun to see it kind of concentrated in this month and beyond the American listenership, which no shock. I think where the states have like fallen out sometimes may be a bit of a surprise. I think the international listenership has really shifted. And mm-hmm. please, if you're our Mongolian friend that is listening, please contact me because I don't have any way to do this. When we started two and a half years ago, we used to be able to track IP addresses. And then sadly, GDPR came in, understandably so. Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't even track what episodes people are listening to anymore overseas, even in the United States. I used to be able to say, okay, this many shows got downloaded in Spain and, oh, somebody downloaded six all at the same time. We don't see any of those things anymore. So it really is just like this pledge drive. It's you communicating back to us about what's going on. Yep, exactly. We've talked a lot. And and like I said, I am super geeked about the show today. It is off kind of off time for us. Nikki is all the way over in the UK. We're going to have a, a tremendous conversation. I've enjoyed getting to talk to her a little earlier. I'm going to stop gushing. I'll let you make the introduction. We'll get started. Yes. Awesome. So, so excited to welcome Nikki Hoyland to the show today. She is an experienced leader in the successful application of HR technologies across a breadth of industries on a global level. She began her L&D professional life as a trainer at the UK's largest teleco where she held multiple roles across the business. She then co-founded DBLX, building bespoke HR software and content solutions for large corporate clients globally to an award-winning level. Having sold DBLX into MCG in 2019, where she is now the CEO, she is leading the team on the delivery of a new SAAS product, Hewler, set to launch in 2021. Hewler is expected to disrupt and simplify the industry globally. A self-confessed tech and user experience nerd, Nikki loves all things HR technology and is a very active voice inside the HR and HR tech network. Nikki, welcome to the show today. We are super excited to have you. Our first question, as always, is what's in your glass? Hey, Bo, thank you so much for having me. Uh, In my glass this evening, I have a lime and soda. Very un-rock and roll of me, but it's a Sunday night. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's a lime and soda tonight. It is Sunday afternoon in the States. I'm not enjoying anything beyond some water. Yeah, I've got water right now, too. I mean, to be fair, I, I did have a bottle of red wine last night so it's nice (laughs) (laughs) well nikki again we are so thrilled that we were able to make this happen and we're so excited you've become part of our community in the last many months how exactly though did you get your start in human resources that's a really good question i um, studied uh film and media at a university which i don't really use at all but came out and started working in um it so working with cisco microsoft so and that's where some of my passion for tech came out more and more and more. Then moved from there, um, and as you say, joined the UK's largest telco, uh, whereas I started as a, a baby retail trainer. Um, so I would go down around retail stores and, and deal with a lot of kind of training on a divisional level, then held various different uh, positions across that organisation. So it offered me um, a really good insight into kind of the the training role kind of on the front line with retail staff then in b2b and then central teams and being an l&d business partner and really understanding the different facets of the business different departments different roles within hr working really closely with kind of hr vps and understanding kind of what keeps them awake at night and then 
after that, as you say, uh, co-founded DBLX. Um, and the rest, as they say from there, is, is history. Well, let's go into that a little bit. Tell us what led you to actually start DBLX and grow in that part of the field. I think one of the frustrations that I always found when I was, I guess, the the customer and the buyer um, was that there were so many different companies I had to speak to. And we all know it's bad enough inside an organization anyway, that silos of departments don't speak to each other from kind of IT to HR to talent to learning to recruitment. And then you add a layer on there that everybody has a different system and then everybody has a different supplier. Um, And it just seemed kind of quite ludicrous to me that I couldn't have a conversation with one person that would just talk in quite a normal language to me to help me to understand um, how to make a journey work for a user and use technology a little smarter. Everything was very either IT-led, so it was very secure and stable and a great kind of sort of platform that could be rolled out to different devices, but it didn't really hit the mark in terms of HR or learning or user engagement. Um, Whereas if it was too HR-led, it perhaps wasn't as stable as needed and fell over a little bit or was a bit clunky. So wanted to form something that that bridged those those two gaps together and looked at actually what do we use in our own time and what's that consumer-grade experience that we would expect and how do we strip away some complexity to start to offer um, bespoke solutions into, into large corporates that met their needs rather than you kind of pay for 100% of 60% of something you use that can feel sometimes a little shoehorned in um, and it almost forces technology or process on a user. So that was the goal to essentially become a a techie nerd extension of the customer's team and just really understand the challenge that they had. You mentioned in your bio that you've taken DBLX and you've sold that and now you're part of this large organization. You're getting ready to launch a new platform in first quarter in Hewler. Yeah. Give us the elevator pitch for Hewler and what are you really excited about with that platform and that launch? Yeah. So I, I think one of the challenges that I always had as DBLX was because it was very bespoke. Um, that's great if you've got time, if you've got a large team, if you've got often the budget, whereas Lots of people were really crying out for a consumer grade level, really great designed and UX, um, but for something that was really easy to understand, was really simplistic in terms of its pricing um, and was something you could, I guess, switch on kind of overnight. Um, so the concept of Hula brings this best in class HR ecosystem um, that puts that end user first um, and at the heart of everything that, that we do. One of the challenges that we certainly face all the time and in the UK, and I don't think it's any different in the, in the US, is there's a lot of systems out there and users don't know what they don't know, right? One of my favorite things to say, say all the time. Um, <laughs> um, and I would often find that sometimes users had like 30 systems to have to remember um, what, where to go and how to get there in a different username and password. So the, the concept behind Hula is that it aggregates all of those systems into one place. So a central hub in order to, to get out to everything that you need to get out to that can be personalized to the user based on kind of what matters to them, either that time of the day or based on the, where they work within in the, in the organization. The user can also add their own personalized content into there too. And then over time, you can flick on or off different Hula spaces within the Hula sphere that are kind of a LMS, LXP, user-generated content, talent management, onboarding, recruitment, so that 
if you want to, you can absolutely aggregate everything that you've got because clearly there's a lot of investment that people have already made into their, their HR tech stack. Um, so put that into one place and then over time, start to switch that off into Hula if that works for you. If it doesn't, aggregate in and wherever possible, let's, as suppliers, start just talking to each other a little more so that this becomes an easier experience for, for end users and for, for HR to be able to, to see their, their technology infrastructure as one piece rather than lots and lots and lots of different jigsaw pieces that quite often don't fit together in any way, shape or form. That's the plan. That's the approach. It's user first. It's consumer grade because we uh, we often have such a disconnect between, I guess, what a user would use on their personal device and the experience that we care about that nudges them and it feels exciting, it feels engaging, it feels intuitive. Yet for some reason, when they're in the organization or they're an employee, we force and smash technology onto them and then wonder why people aren't perhaps engaging with it or they're not returning to it time after time. That's the whole concept is to to simplify, offer a better experience, aggregate um, systems that are out there at the moment and then start to offer um, these different spaces that make sense to you and to your business at the time that you need them. We talk about experience a lot. Mm. We don't always get it. We don't always quite <laughs> understand. Weird because we're people, we're employees too. We should yeah. want to get a good experience out of the software that we're purchasing. But what do you think it is? Where do you think um, it is that we miss the mark with that when it comes to HR tech? And what's some of your advice? You know, like what's that one one thing? If you could only do one thing to improve the dealings with this, what what would it be? Yeah, I, I think it misses the mark for for quite a few reasons because I think it feels over complex. There's a lot of data uh, that gets thrown around. There's a lot of acronyms that get thrown around. There's a lot of um, pricing complexity that comes through. Um, technology dates quite quite quickly in its very nature anyway. There's an interesting demographic that people have got as well at the minute to try to, to cope with Gen Z coming through and then a millennial and right the way through to those that perhaps aren't as au fait or familiar or don't want just a tech experience all the time. And to try to blend that together can can feel like a little bit of a minefield, I think. It's then really difficult for HR to, to, to try to bridge that gap across different suppliers and providers when it's just not an easy conversation to have. I mean, as, as I said before, like even even different departments across a business, it's it's difficult enough to get that conversation flowing, right? Let alone then over and above into kind of the systems that everyone has. One of the main things, as, as you say, is, is people forget that there's a human behind that device. So we talk so much about data stats or usage stats or, um, you know, how frequently will they come in and what will we target to them first and um, how long do they spend? But we forget that that's a, a human being that you're engaging with at the end of that device. And I think that's quite common of, of HR generally at the minute is that H is kind of lost that that's a human being that we're talking about. And I know hot topic, you know, across the community as well, that actually let's forget about processes process driven all the time and of course that process has to be there but let's try to remember that you know we are dealing with with humans at the center of all of that so I think I think all of this kind of comes together that feels like a really difficult landscape to try to manage especially if you've already got stuff that's in and there's been a large investment it feels very difficult to try to to make a u-turn I think looking out there and you know across lots of research that obviously I do in the market because of I am, as I say, a self-confessed nerd for it. Everything feels really, really similar. So it's like, well, why would you change from what you've got when everything's 
kind of similar or the same anyway. Um, and I think that's a really big challenge because to try to make this U-turn to, to look at actually user-first experience that listens to the audience, it brings HR into the business rather than it be kind of a separate limb that has to justify itself all the time. You can't just kind of U-turn that, I guess, overnight, really. So it's these voices across the community speaking up and saying, that's that's not right. Let's let's offer this user-first experience and let's put ourselves in the user's shoes, let's listen a little more and let's really challenge what providers are, are doing because it's not difficult. It's not something that isn't replicated across kind of socials all the time or, you know, apps that you have on your own device. But yet somehow in the world of work, it becomes really hard and it becomes really complicated. I'd say one of the, the main areas of, of advice would be to listen to, to the end user and, and look outside of, of HR, look outside of the, your industry as to, you know, what, what are other providers doing in, in, in a tech space or in, a, in an app space or how are be, people being creative and innovative in what they do? So, Nikki, as you're out talking to customers and potential customers, as you're talking with other vendors even, and I, and I think you make a really great point. I've seen a lot of the companies that we've been fortunate to talk to and work with, they partner. They kind of know what their space is. I can remember when everything was one system and you, you know, all it was a hub, right? Yeah. And now it's pieces, parts, and things are a little more plug and play. Potentially, you know, contracts don't last as long. You may pull stuff and go to the next place quickly or, or just different timing. Having said all that, how do you encourage your vendors to build rapport with each other? As HR, as a corporate entity, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious how people, have people done that with you? Because again, we know people that say, oh, we do this and this ties into this. As you said, at the end of the day, many things are very comparable. How do we get our vendors talking to each other to make our experience better? In honesty, it, it ties back to relationship again, because everybody that you're dealing with is that constant human connection, isn't it? So I think if there's the, the opportunity and the possibility for people to start to break down some barriers of, let's be honest and frank, it's, it's competition, right? So there's Absolutely. Well, well, why would I want to speak to them when they might a bit of mice or pie or the customer or or whatever that might look like. Worst case in something like Hula and and the Hub, if that's a way to aggregate all of these systems together, fundamentally that helps the end user. I would challenge anybody to sit around a table and if you were looking strategically at why something isn't landing or why users aren't engaged or in the current landscape with COVID, how we have to move to a little bit more of a technological platform and and how do we enable that when you're not necessarily in that same environment all the time? If everybody around that table is trying to address that problem and come up with a solution, if they're not putting that user at the heart of that or or the business requirements at the heart of that, I'd challenge and I'd push because everybody will continue to work in silos. If not, it's not an easy conversation, but as I say, in a simplistic way to aggregate systems together so at least the user knows what's there uh, how am I going to remember 30 systems with different usernames, different passwords, different user experience? And and you make a great point because there was there was a long period of time where one system would try to be all things to all people. And as a user, you would just get bombarded on your homepage. You would just be like, whoa, this is just... <laughs> or as admins would fight for different retail space on the, on the home screen and you know it would just become a little bit information overload. And I think... Apple, Google, lots of these providers have taken a really similar approach that actually there's one place to go to get to everything that you need, um, a very similar user experience, very similar user journey, same username, same password. 
but you go to the app store because you want an app. You go to Apple Music because you want some music. You go to mail because you want your mail. And I think if we can offer that kind of experience to users, it will make far much more sense. Um, and then, as you say, as contracts then come and go, whether that's that you're you're really happy with the provider that you've got or whether you want to look at actually could have get that provided by somebody else. I, I think it offers healthy competition for people to stay on top of that tech roadmap to listen to what users need and to move with with what the rest of technology is doing because it's quite easy to get left behind and then be sat on a, a technology stack or or indeed content stack that's just a bit of a PDF graveyard um, <laughs> where nobody goes, right? No, right. Like you might have the shinier system in the world, but if there's no great content for me to go to get to see or it's not useful or I can't find it or if it doesn't work or it, it's buggy or unstable, guess what? I'm not going back. As you look into your crystal ball, because we love having people do that here. Yeah. (laughs) Other than Hewler coming in Q1, what do you think is the next big thing that HR professionals are going to be seeing from a tech perspective? I think it'd be really easy and simple to say um, VR at the minute because of the experience that everybody's going through and people need to get out of this. Well, we'll, you know, we'll deliver a three-day course on Teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, don't do that. <laughs> um, so I think to try to bring people that are remote into one place with technology using VR and experience would, would be pretty obvious that I think that that's going to have to see a bit of a, a step change. And I think the limiting factor there previously was hardware and connections and, and so on. But I think budgets are going to have to move to enable that to happen. But I think probably over and above that, I think it's got to be true understanding of data. Everybody's heard of oh, big data. And as soon as you start to say some of these words, I think it starts to become quite quite terrifying and a bit alienating for HR if that's just not your space or your world. And I think bringing in more AI and enabling organizations to be data-led, not data-driven, so that they can start to bring in more data insight that's very reactive with the business. It moves and it ebbs and flows and changes with the the, the user base. Again, as I, as I said earlier, often I, I find that HR feel like they need to justify themselves a lot um, and they feel quite disparate sometimes and away from the business. Um, whereas if we can start to say, hey, this is the data that we're starting to get out of HR systems and this omni-channel way that people engage with content or, you know, from onboarding or recruitment or talent or L&D or, you know, whatever that might be. And this is then the tangible business results and how that makes a, a, bit, a big impact on, you know, business ROI or trends or, or, or changes within the actual business itself. And that's not hard to do. It's data, but it's this complexity that's come around it and a bit of fear and a bit of well I'm not going to embrace that change because you know what do those jobs of the future mean and you know does that kind of eliminate my role even in terms of a bit of fear from people so I'd say we you know we have got to start to be more um, data-led in in what we see and then off the back of that allow kind of machine learning to bring in patterns and trends that allow that data to adapt and personalize experiences dependent on the exact situation at any given time. I think data will be the the big one to sort of see a, a shift in. And then off the back of that, the patterns that we'll start to see and new tech that will emerge will be will be data driven. And I think it will, you know, we'll see a, a lot of change off the back of the way that the world of work and future of work with with you know the impact of COVID. Um, we've probably leapt on a good 10, 15 years, I'd say, um, in the past sort of six months. Um, so, yeah, there's yeah, there's definitely change, change up up there. 
Nikki, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, which is the half hour question connection. So our first question here, what career did you dream of having when you were a child? I thought about this because initially I wanted to be a penguin um, when I was very <laughs> young. Um, I, thought, <laughs> I thought the sliding on your belly was a really good sort of mode of transport to get around. Um, but, <laughs> but given that I clearly couldn't be a penguin, I then wanted to be a paediatrician. So, you know, I think smashing both counts in the world of HR tech. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm pretty sure you're the first person that said an animal. There you go. <laughs> That's very fair to say. <laughs> now, now, if you lived here in the States and you said a penguin, I would have assumed the Pittsburgh Penguin hockey team. So. Oh, you see, I can't say that. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> Who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? This is a really, really difficult question um, because there's so many people like Steve Brown, Laura from Eastside Staffing, Melanie Peacock, Joanna at Be The Ripple. Somebody I'm absolutely loving in terms of her content at the minute is Heather, Heather McGowan lots of her future of work kind of opinions and insight that wow she she absolutely truly had the crystal ball prior to all things covid kind of happening and you know the things that she's able to to talk about and push organizations to think a little differently you know i think is uh, is really really great content to to start to get involved with and all of the hr community obviously obviously <laughs> so a new professional asks you for one piece of advice what do you tell them so it's, it's all around that, that community, I think. I think you know, I've had so many different calls with various people across you know, the, the HR social community just recently um, that I think COVID's offered that real geographical barrier to completely drop because we're all on a screen, right? So let's all get together and you know, have a coffee and, and talk things that are really common regardless of industry or, or location. And it, and it offers great insight as to... Um, how other people are dealing with certain challenges or shared wins or you know, just reaching out to, to different people to form more connections across sort of the social space. Also remembering that H in, in HR is, is human. So again, those connections are with a human being. And I think the final one for me, and it's something I say all the time, is just to trust your gut. So I think sometimes you can overthink, especially at the minute, you know, you can kind of whirl something around over and over and over in your head. Um, and I think, to, yeah, to, to trust your gut instinct is uh, is something I would, I would highly recommend. How do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? Yeah, I think I think just recently, um, Wendy and I were talking actually just just before the call. There's there's been a lot of panic buying of technology, so I've offered my services outside of from a work capacity just to help see a bit of kind of clarity of you know what what technologies out there at the minute that you could use that's either free or you've already got but you've just not perhaps thought of it in a slightly different way or try to pivot the use of of that one piece of tech that you've installed already or people haven't quite embraced before. I think using now as a case study is, is a great time for people to start to see what users actually need and just offering that that challenge and a, a little bit of a voice to say, well, could we do things a little bit differently? And, you know, could that be approached slightly from a, from a different point of view? And then just offering a bit of tech mentoring to, to individuals, as I say, uh, I'm a bit of a nerd for it in terms of user experience and, and different solutions that are out there. And, you know, um, there's a lot of people that feel quite overwhelmed by that when you first come into the industry. So I've got two people that I, I help mentor at the moment and you know, share some of my passion and nerdiness with. <laughs> what is your favorite movie? Oh, so this is so hard. I, I did I did film studies at, at university. So um, 
one. It's a really tricky one. So I, I wrote my dissertation on um, Stanley Kubrick's Clockwork Orange. So I'd have to say that's in there because I've watched it so, so, so many times. Or Finding Nemo. Polar <laughs> 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 opposite. Um, one's just a yeah, just a, a happy place film, and the other I am. Um, yeah, I, I adore the cinematography in Clockwork Orange. How about your favorite musician or band? Really, really varied taste. I, I collect vinyl prior to it being quite cool now. I've collected it for quite a few years, sadly. I've got a rather large collection um, that started with a bit of early doors um, and has progressed through and getting parents vinyl and so on. But I'd say probably the Arcade Fire or Big Thief. And then um, I'm quite a blues fan as well, so I love a bit of Howlin' Wolf and a bit of Money Waters. And, yeah, that's that's where I go to. Uh, how about a favorite TV show? I'm absolutely loving all of the. Um, have you seen the uh, All or Nothings that Amazon are doing on different NFL teams? And they've recently done them on the Premier League. It's a really interesting insight to team dynamics and team success that's also just a really engaging watch as well. Um, and I'd say if it wasn't that, I really enjoyed the. Uh, I don't know if you watched Six Feet Under. I loved that box set that. You know, it's going back some years now, but I'd say that was one of my absolute standouts in the way that it was done or a bit of Jack Bauer 24. <laughs> Nikki, I have to tell you, I think it's fascinating. And again, this is my limited U.S. focus, understanding and knowledge base. I find it fascinating that I think we've had one answer that's not American. I'm surprised. I'm look. I'm always looking for other things. I, I watched a lot of BBC, particularly as a kid, yeah. like Doctor Who and keeping up appearances, those kind of things. Yeah. I have to say, though, Clockwork Orange and Finding Nemo as your two favorite movies yeah. is definitely the craziest mix that we've heard. Yeah. You typically yeah. say, I love comedies, I love you know, Romeo, or I love horror. No, I love A Clockwork Orange <laughs> and Finding Nemo. Yeah. So kudos to you, my friend. You win. Let's keep uh, you, fresh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> if you're not watching those movies, if you're not listening to Arcade Fire and the Blues or watching All or Nothing, what else do you like to do outside of work? Keen runner. I love just putting on a pair of running shoes and just getting outside. Um, I love going to the gym when I can go to the gym. I really enjoy climbing. Uh, so I do a lot of indoor bouldering. And I think being on a climbing wall, you can just completely switch off. My brain's very... It's always on, and I think you have to focus on what you're doing. Uh, so I, I really enjoy switching off. Um, I watch a hell of a lot of ice hockey. I'm a, a New York Rangers fan, although we didn't do too well just recently in the playoffs. But, hey, <laughs> I'm a big Manchester City uh, fan as well in terms of Premier League football. Uh, enjoy reading podcasts. Yeah, nothing nothing too out there, to be fair. How does one get into hockey? Yeah. In the UK? Is, is there much of a hockey culture in the UK? We kind of have our own league, but it's it's nowhere near as big as kind of NHL. Um, okay. Probably my first visit to New York got to Madison Square Garden and caught a game. Islanders Rangers, so I had a decision to make at that point. And yeah, I went, I went Rangers. Um, and then yeah, followed them ever since. And whenever we go back to the, to New York, always get, get to the garden. And I'm always surprised of to just how much money it is for a beer. But, you know. Do you know our pal Josh Rock? I don't know. Oh, we'll get you. Connected. We got to get you hooked up with the HR puckheads. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. There's a whole subculture oh, of yeah. HR <laughs> hockey people. You need to be yeah. talking to them. Yeah. We will make that happen after yeah. the show. Amazing. <laughs> yes, definitely. It is Nikki Hoyland Day all around the world. What are we doing to celebrate? 
That's a really, really difficult question. <laughs> Do you know of all the questions, this was probably the one, even though I listened to the show and I've heard other people's answers, um, I wasn't really sure where to go. I think I'm a big lover of simplicity and I think everybody's just missed be, being outdoors and just a bit of simple and a bit of just easy breezy kind of stuff that's not negative at the minute. So I'd say just getting out into the sunshine, playing a little bit of frisbee, having an awesome badass sandwich, maybe like from Cat's Deli or something like that, um, and an ice cold beer. And then, yeah, just relaxing in the sun and spending a bit of time with each other to to genuinely check in with each other and just make sure everyone's okay in a space and have a conversation the way people can actually genuinely open up about that just at the minute. I like it. Sandwiches and beer. Yeah, seriously. I'm an, I'm a simple kind of woman. <laughs> I love it. Well, Nikki, we can't thank you enough yeah. for first of all, for being part of our community and helping us, mm-hmm. helping me expand my worldview again, trying to get away from my little focus of the world. I've so much enjoyed our conversations, particularly when it comes to some of the great stuff you're doing from an HR tech perspective and learning more about what's going on there and being part of our community, being engaged, taking part in our stuff when it's whatever time in the morning there and you're, and right. you're there. We really do appreciate that. Now, most of our listeners are probably connected with you already. If they're not, though, what's the best way for them to reach you out there? Yeah, so I'm um, Nikki Hoyland on LinkedIn, um, the Nikki H on Twitter. I didn't pick that. Twitter decided that was the handle that I would get given, by the way. Um, um, <laughs> um, and Hula is Hula Social on Twitter as well. So you can you can follow us on any of those channels. We will have all that in the show notes. And then, Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for the listeners to reach you? Uh, best way is always on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter as part of our twice-monthly HR Social Hour Twitter chat. How about you, John? JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman. And for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. It is a pledge drive for the remainder of the month. Hashtag listen to HRSH. And if you do take part, share across the socials. We're not asking for money. Just share. If you share an episode, share this episode with Nikki. Share whatever your favorite. Maybe it's Josh Rock talking about the HR Puckheads, whatever it may be. Share those episodes across all your social platforms. Help us continue to boost our signal. We appreciate that. International listeners, we've thanked you already in this show, but we will say again, please contact us. We're going to continue to contact you as well. Nikki has actually gotten some swag from us so she can speak to what I think she hopefully thinks is cool. But, uh, but seriously, we, we want to connect with you and have those conversations. Nikki, again, appreciate your time. And so for the HR social hour, half hour podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always be sure to connect, give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. <laughs>